You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm your host Andrew Musgrove. And it is time for our weekend preview. Newcastle travel down to Old Trafford to take on Manchester United. And it's the return of someone rather special. John Gibson. Uh, you all thought <laughs> I was going to say Ronaldo there, That's didn't you? a nice you? one. Who's out of the fella again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so all the focus, of course, is on Cristiano Ronaldo returning to Old Trafford at the age of 36. Uh, he's still probably one of the best players in the Premier League, isn't he, John? Oh, I think without without a shadow of doubt, I think he's. Um, if football's all about goals and it is, then his record is the best in the world still. Yeah, and uh, is there reason to fear if you're a Newcastle United fan? Do you think? I think there was a reason to fear before Cristiano Ronaldo uh, signed for Man United because, uh, you know, and it was hard enough before he come. Now the tidal wave of emotion about him coming here and he's a drama queen and I say that in the nicest possible way because I've got total admiration for him but he loves these sort of situations it's like the partner of the Red Sea you know Bush is standing there telling the waves to go back will they take any notice I mean it really is like that and I think we should emphasize that it was going to be darn tough way before Ronaldo Manchester United because this is arguably our First test of the season, certainly our major test of the season. West Ham was a, a test. But this is proper. This isn't Burnley or hear, Southampton or Villa. This is proper. I can hear our listeners laughing away to themselves at the word proper test. I'm sure some would argue that every game Newcastle faces is a proper test. because but uh, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. That's, it that's... shouldn't be. But this, this is, even if we were on form going to Old Trafford, our record shows that. Uh, we have won in modern times twice, I think, uh, since famously the Supermax side went a week after Hereford in the FA Cup and won down there against Law, Best and Charlton, who are good enough to have a statue with all three of them outside of Old Trafford. We've only won the once when Kabai scored the winner since, so that shows what sort of test Old Trafford is. Yeah, I've got the I've got the head to head here. Um, well. It's not. It's not. It's not pretty. This is of all the games in the Premier League. So there's been 52 played, 14 draws, 31 wins for Manchester United, 17 at home, and 14 up at St James's Park. Newcastle have had a total of seven wins, six at home, and only one away. So the stats are not in Newcastle United's favour. The last couple of games, uh, they got beat 3-1 at Old Trafford last season, 4-1 the season before that. That was when Mighty Longstaff scored, wasn't it, I think? Mm. Um, 4-1, it was Boxing Day. So they don't have, or was it Muto? Maybe it was Muto actually that scored that day, I think, actually. Um, so they don't have the best of record going down to Old Trafford at all. And you do you do worry, um, and especially with everything that's been playing on the background with Newcastle, the statement that came out, you know, the political nature of it, as some people have interpreted it. There's all that talk about. Um, but let's just stick with... Cristiano Ronaldo just for now because that is where the focus is going to be I'm yeah. sorry Newcastle yeah. fans we'll have to mention a bit more about him this talk John that 
you'll start on the bench, which I'm not even sure is a good thing because, you know, if my United are, or even the, if the scores are level come 60 minutes, the crowd are just going to be pumped up waiting. And as soon as he rises from his seat, walks oh. to the touchline, the number goes up, the noise will be unbelievable big, and that will send... Yeah, uh, the know. biggest certainty is that we are going to face Ronaldo on Saturday. It just depends whether it's three o'clock, quarter four, or, or when it is. Uh, but we're going to face him. And he will influence the game because he'll influence the terracing. Uh, and the fans are so much part of which way a game goes. Um, so we're going to be faced by him. And let's be truthful. The guy is 36 now. He is not what he was once. When he was with Manchester United the first time, he was this great step-over king, you know, four step-overs at pace, cutting in from the wing. He was a winger, and, and he was quick. He will not do that this time. He will be static in a centre-forward position most of the game. And what he'll do, he'll go... This is if he plays 90 minutes. He will go missing a lot during that 90 minutes. You'll not know he's there because he conserves him, so his energy and everything else now, and then he strikes. I mean... People are going on, rightly so, about how he turned the Portugal game when they were worn down and he scored in 89 and 95 minutes to get them a win. Up until that period, he had hardly been seen in the game. It's the way he operates now. But one one little uh, lapse in concentration, and you get that with defenders, and you certainly get that with Newcastle defenders, he will pounce. And when you look at his record, 785 career goals at club and country level, 785 from 1,073 games. That is phenomenal. It's not a bad record, I mean, is it? that is absolutely magnificent. I mean, I, I don't know that Newcastle as a team have scored 785 goals in their last 1,000 games. I don't think for one moment they have. Never mind an individual. We've got nobody to compare with that. But neither is any other side at the moment. No other side at the moment with Aguero having gone um, out of the Premier League, etc., etc., can can trot up something quite as, as good as that. He is exceptional. He's won Manchester United hat-trick was against Newcastle. What's the odds if he starts at three on Saturday that he'll be looking to do that again because he sets his standards incredibly high? I don't think we've got to get too obsessed and run scared of one man because that would be a huge mistake because he isn't the man that he was. He's very influential, but he's not the man he was. But, you know, in, in working out what's Newcastle's chances, and I said that it was hard enough before Ronaldo, if you take Ronaldo out of the equation, a neutral looking at that game, Andrew, uh, would make a like-for-like comparison. Pogba against Sean Longstaff, Maguire against Lascelles, Greenwood against Almiron, Luke Shaw against Richie or Lewis, Sancho compared to Murphy. Ferreni, the new centre-half, £39 million from Real Madrid against Fernandes. And even our strength, if it comes to a goal-scoring midfielder, it's Bruno Fernandes against Willock. It, out of all those head-to-heads I've talked about, the tick is mainly on the Manchester United side. So, and we haven't talked about Ronaldo. Uh, so, 
you know, it it is hard enough anyway. There's players all over the park that could hurt Newcastle. Yeah, what a poor summer they've had, Manchester United. Horrible owners, John. Well, yes, um, I think that if anybody, any club is compared with Newcastle United uh, in terms of owners, in terms of where the clubs run, uh, Newcastle come out second in the two-horse race because, I mean, we have had, with the summer in the transfer market, the statement made by Newcastle United to justify that summer of indifference. Um, some of the statements dear old Steve Bruce has made, which border on the ludicrous, um, Newcastle have had a bad, bad old time of it. Um and now we're stuck with it because we're beyond the transfer deadline and at least until it opens in January. And we never do a lot of business in January, normally. Although last January saved us. Yeah, well, they've, they've gambled, haven't they, to, to get a January and be in a, a good position. I'm sure Mike Ashley doesn't want to oversee a spending spree. Uh, you know, if Newcastle are in, in trouble, that's the last thing any of us want, really, I guess. Let's talk about that statement just briefly then, John. Obviously, came out and Newcastle defended their position I guess on one hand we all wanted a bit of communication we've just talked there off, off camera about you know we might not like it but at least mm. they've come out and they've tried to you know defend the position and we can honors the, the, the you know applauds the wrong word but at least they've come out and, and they have done a bit of communication we need more of that from the club on the other hand the content I'm not sure any Newcastle United fan any journalist covering Newcastle agrees with it plenty of debate about it what stood out for you what it stood out for me is that they're the worst club in the world of PR, and then when they try to make a PR statement, they make a mess of it. Um, for a start, nobody's name was put to it, so they, 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 they've remained the invisible man. It wasn't signed off by Ashley or by Charnley. Uh, so they remain the invisible man. They, Ashley has never held one press conference since he came to Newcastle about 14 years ago where he can actually be challenged on what he says. Um, he's either gone to his pet uh, television company or his pet national reporter, whereby what he says is accepted and there's no cross-examination of him. We've never had that once, so don't talk to me about him explaining what's happening in Newcastle United because not one thing he said there could be challenged because we weren't in a position to challenge it. And I think it insulted the intelligence of Newcastle United fans and it insulted Steve Bruce. It it really called him up because it sort of said, hey, never mind about uh, you knew the score, Steve Bruce. You knew once we got Willick, that was the end of that. And I'm not talking about signing somebody else for another 20 million. None of us who might have liked that but expected that, and we knew we wouldn't get it. Where we feel hugely let down is that we couldn't bring in a centre-half and another midfielder on loan because we don't want to pay the full wages or we don't want to pay um, a loan fee. I mean, that is ludicrous, and that is a step further than Newcastle have done in the past. In the past, they have got people on loan. We've stopped doing that this time as well. Um, and we are worse off, despite what Mr. Bush says, than we were uh, at the end of last season because 
we, we're exactly the same with Willock coming in, but we haven't got a cover striker with uh, Andy Carroll going out and not being replaced. So it, it is a huge risk taken and born out of the indifference of the owner. And for me, the attempt to justify it was an absolute joke um, and just did not work. It just inflamed the situation an awful lot more. It didn't win one fan over, I would suggest. If you want to hear John's full thoughts on the transfer window, now this podcast was recorded before that statement, but you can just head on the podcast channel and it'll be the third episode from this one where John gives his verdict on the summer window. There's also an episode of Gibbous Corner, their new one on Terry McDermott, so please do listen to that and give that a share and a like. The statement, John, means that Steve Bruce's press conference, he was likely to always be asked about transfers, but now he's going to be asked about that statement. Yes, did he, he know about it? What did he make of it? If the statement hadn't come out, he would have been asked about transfers. He probably would have shut it down quickly, and then the focus, especially probably from the national angle, would have been on Cristiano Ronaldo, where he probably would have you know, spoken for, for length on it. And yet, in a way, this has handed him, or handed you know, the press something more to ask about which is going to be quite interesting so Steve Bruce is going to react to it it's killed Steve Bruce though uh, because he needed this like a whole night he's got enough problems on Saturday at 3 o'clock without having to be bombarded uh, about what his owner has said Um, and there's no way he wins that one because if he says nothing in his support of, of Ashley the fans go berserk and, and say, you must be joking. Aren't you? And if he comes out and, and says he's very disappointed, we've now got a tough run-up to January, etc., etc., all of which is totally true, then Ashley and Johnley are going to be furious and he's going to feel a private backlash from them. So he's in a lose-and-lose situation put in the stocks by the man above. There's no question about that. I mean, he'll be terrified of Ronaldo on Saturday, but on Friday, that's all he'll want to talk about Ronaldo because at least it's football and at least it's open and he can have his say and he can wax lyrical about what a wonderful player he was and what he did at Man U. Um, Because, of course, we've got to remember that there's not just one old Manchester United hero um, going back on Saturday because Steve Bruce played over 400 games for them and um, the the best period of his career as a manager or player uh, was there. Uh, so that's interesting, but I bet they're both looking forward to it in different ways, Ronaldo and Steve Bruce. Um, for Steve Bruce, it's like getting your teeth pulled out with a pair of pliers, I would think, Saturday for Ronaldo. It's, please slip the leash and let me loose. Um so, yes, it, it, there's been a fortnight of no action, but tomorrow is going to be a gruesome time. And I think Steve, who's found life very hard recently, will be exceptionally prickly at tomorrow's press conference, I would Yeah, think. as John mentions, it's tomorrow's press conference. So we are recording this on Thursday morning ahead of Friday's press conference, where... Steve Bruce is also likely to address or provide an update on Callum Wilson. Lots of stories flying around that he might not be 100% fit, he might miss the game, he might be all right. Essentially, we are waiting on what Steve Bruce says on Friday morning. But, I mean, what a massive blow that would be to lose Callum oh, Wilson. 
<coughs> there's so many things that were in the dark, and that's the way in my time, where you, you spoke to Joe Harvey, every day I would go up to St James's Park and have a one-to-one -one with Joe Harvey. No other press men there, because they went at lunchtime, the national press, I would have a one-to-one -one in the morning. You had a daily report, which meant the public had, on the situation regarding injuries. We don't know if Wilson's going to make it. Um, we don't know how long Fraser's going to be out after coming back with a boot on from, Scot from Scotland. Uh, we don't know if Almiran is banned or not um, because of uh, Paraguay objecting to Newcastle not allowing them to go. Um, there's so much that we don't know about this game uh, and has to be an answer. And yet, in the overall trend of affairs, we wonder how much difference each one's going to make. The one that would, would make a huge difference is Callum Wilson being out, of course. Uh, that's enormous because we just don't have um, an adequate replacement there. Um, and there is a, a feeling that if in any way you're risking Car Car uh, Callum Wilson's fitness at Old Trafford, because he, he is susceptible to regular injury, then there's a case for saying, don't play him, get him 100% for Leeds, where we might win. I'm not saying we can't win at Old Trafford, because in a two-horse race, the, both horses must have a chance. But by Jove, the chance isn't great. Um, I'm not rushing out down to the bookies with me 20 quid to put it on Newcastle United on Saturday. So just mentioned Almiron there for those who aren't aware. There's a chance that he could miss Saturday's game if FIFA uphold a ban in which Premier League clubs stopped players leaving to go on international break to countries um, over kind of in South America and what have you due to the COVID and what I have mean, you. The interesting thing, Andrew, is that they might be without Fred and we might be without Almeida. Yeah. Well, I don't think they'll miss Fred too much. <laughs> but uh, uh, And to be truthful, I've got to say this, on Almeida, I honestly think he's been close to being left out the team anyway. His form is dipped. And a lot of people blame Steve Bruce more than Almeida because of him having to play as an orthodox midfielder, which is infinitely what he isn't. But his form hasn't been great. Where, if he can't play in this game, where it is a double whammy for us, is that Ryan Fraser would have been yeah. the right person to play in his position. And now, Fraser, who is either the most unlucky player I've ever known in the world, or he's setting a new trend, because every time he plays for Scotland, he returns unable to play for us. If you remember, he missed the last nine games at the end of last season um, because of an injury picked up with Scotland. And we don't know at the moment how long he's going to be out this time. He come back with a moon boot on, on crutches, so we don't expect to see him on Saturday. Mm. The BBC report, John, that the Premier League are confident that the players that a band will be able to play. On Ryan Fraser, yet yeah, devastated to see him leave the hotel, the Scotland International Hotel, with a boot, protective boot, boot on, because he, he's the only man who's looked like changing the game when he comes off the bench. For me, I, I would look to be starting him. It's really unfortunate. He just can't buy any luck with mean, injuries. Have all our attackers got to be uh, so fragile? I mean, Callum Wilson will never be an ever-present this season. 
Alan Maximum will never be an ever-present in this season. Ryan Fraser will never make ten appearances in this season um, because of injuries. I mean, we our people up there seem to be very susceptible to injuries, mm. don't they? The one part of the team where we talk about we're not too bad because they're quick and because they look as if they might have a goal in them up there... How often are you going to get them all on the park at the one time? That that the, That's a problem up there. And a lack of legs is a huge problem in midfield and the back. So there are problems. I would ask you, John, who would replace Callum Wilson if he is indeed injured. But <laughs> there's only one option. Well, I mean, it, it, there's two options. But we know the one he would take. They'd either be Joe Linton or oh, I Dwight forgot about I forgot about Joe Linton. We, Sorry, Joe. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't blame him. Uh, and if we want to be kind to Joe Linton, uh, his manager says he's not a centre-forward. He, he's, he's a wide player. But my odds are, you know, that if Callum Wilson is out, Joe Linton will play through the middle. That's rather what, than Dwight Gale. That's what a lot of people have been scratching their heads at, the fact that Steve Bruce has said that and then continue to play him off the bench ah, in a central role. But Steve Bruce has all, always said also how much he's admired Dwight Gale and tried to sign him for every club he's been at and how he's got this wonderful goal-scoring record and yet he hasn't played him one minute in the Premier League so far this season. I think So one thing is said about Joe Linton and Gale and the other thing is done. I think the issue there though, and we've mentioned it plenty of times on here, is that if you play Gale, you've got to tweak the formation and set up in my view but, because but they don't play Gale anyway well that's but I, I don't know if that's maybe a reason that's just me you know my opinion well in there. that case flog him or don't give him a new contract yeah no you, you can see that point on to the fact that this game will not be on television there was lots of talk about BT or Sky jumping in and making some sort of deal do you know what John I'm very happy it's not on television not because I think Newcastle are going to get beat but just because for once the TV companies haven't screwed over Newcastle United fans because no uh, you know offence attended to, to Sky and BT the fans are the last thought when they're oh, when sure, they're scheduling sure. games and they Let's always get tend it to, on the Monday night yeah. at 8 o'clock at Southampton or exactly yeah. and it would have been absolutely out of this world had they rescheduled this game to be on television just to broadcast Ronaldo's return who might not even start after Newcastle United fans have booked trains days off hotels spent money you know so it's really good to see that this game remains three o'clock kickoff, despite I, there's no doubt there's been pressure from from everywhere to change this game to a to, to an evening kickoff or to the Sunday. So really good to see that this game remains three o'clock Saturday. Yeah, I don't know how much leeway the television companies had on potentially changing, because they had selected their their games for the slots already. So how much they were legally going to be allowed, never mind morally. Uh, to mess about, but all of it's irrelevant because it hasn't happened, and it's the old-fashioned three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon kickoff, which is uh, which is fine. Um, yeah, uh, and you know, when the one thing we've got to remember is that Newcastle United fans don't give a jot about whether Ronaldo is coming back or whether it's Manchester United; they just care about. Newcastle United. And did you see that thing about Paul Parker who said Newcastle fans must be absolutely ecstatic because that they've got tickets for this game and it suddenly turned into a festival and, and they can't believe their luck. You can't believe your luck. You know, we aren't just going along 
to make up the numbers and, and applaud Ronaldo scoring a hat-trick. Newcastle fans support Newcastle. And, and it is ridiculous to say that we're ecstatic because instead of losing 2-0, we might lose 4-0, but we'll be able to say we saw Ronaldo. That's the important thing, isn't it? That Newcastle United players don't get swept along in fear. You know, Newcastle United fans will enjoy themselves, they'll sing, they'll give a really good account of themselves. But on the pitch, what we need is Newcastle United players to be focused, not to, let's say, get carried away with the whole fact that Ronaldo's returning and go there to upset this party. It should put fire in the bellies to say, do you know what? Like you say, John, we're not here to make up the numbers. Mm. We're coming here to gay crash this party and make sure that his debut is going to be a bad one. And hopefully that's what happens. Do you share the same confidence? No, I don't share the confidence. <laughs> I share the theory that that is what Newcastle need to do, and there's absolutely no question about that. And as I mentioned, the two things that concern me that they've got to get right is that, first of all, that they're not obsessed about Ronaldo because all over the park, Paul Pogba, uh, Greenwood, um, Bruno Fernandes, they've got players who will hurt us, and if they think we've just got to take care of Ronaldo and that's a job done... That's a fatal mistake because they've got quality everywhere else. And the second thing that bothers me is the fact that when he's just strolling around and um, the ball's not coming to him and he throws his hands up in the air and that, we don't suddenly think, well, he's no danger. He's an old man. He's tucked up there because he'll just go bang, bang with two headers. I mean, he jumps higher than, than high jumpers do in the Olympics. Um so, you know, we haven't got to get complacent about him because there will be periods when he's missing and that can lull us into a sense of false security. And I worry about our back. Eight goals in three games. Forget about Ronaldo. Overall, with all the firepower they've got across the park, I worry about our back keeping the door closed because we're not good at that. And we have no pace around the back, which is why we, def we defend so deep that Freddie Woodman's toes must be black and blue after a game because his three centre-halves have been standing on them for an hour and a half. Mm, you can see when he looks to distribute the ball, he doesn't want to. They're to the left and the right of him, but he's, he looks a bit nervous. He doesn't want to give it to them. I don't Because they're not ball-playing centre-backs. No. No. Uh, I mean, he must... Poor soul, he, I mean, he, he's always had a wonderful future forecast from um, and a future England international, etc., etc. He is now playing in the Premier League for the first time and he must wonder if it's like this all the time because he's picking the ball out. The he's saving a penalty and then he's facing penalties virtually every game um, and he's letting in eight without it being his fault. But he must get up in the morning and think, goodness gracious me, is this what the Premier League is like? I'm an Andy Sally here. Thank you for tuning in to the Everything is Black and White podcast. We'll get back to the show in just a moment. We just urge you guys to please subscribe to the podcast through whichever platform you use. Totally free to do. Just means every time we upload a new episode to our channel, you'll get a notification saying we've done just that and you can listen to it straight away. And if you get the chance to leave us a review as well, that would be much appreciated. That really does help us out. You can also follow Chronicle Live's new Cash United channels over on social media. We're at Chronicle NUFC on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can email us here at the show with your feedback, your comments, your questions, whatever. Just drop us a line at the EIBW podcast at reachplc.com. 
And you can also stay up to date with everything to do with the club by subscribing to our daily Newcastle United newsletter. That's also free. And you'll get a morning news roundup, an evening news roundup, and a breaking news alert as well. And that'll get emailed directly to your inbox. The link for that is in the show notes. Hit that, scroll down to sport-newcastle-united, tick the box, and you'll all be signed up. Once again, thank you for listening. And we'll now get back to the show. So just some quotes from Alan St. Maxim which caught my eye. And I'll just read them out. He was speaking to NUFC TV and we'll then pick out some points from his quotes. He said, I know we have a tough game at the weekend against Manchester United. We are working a lot in training, which is why I feel a little bit tired. But it's really important because we need a win. Even if it is Manchester United, it's not like they're invincible. We have to keep going and try to do the best things we can do to win the game. If we can't win, then we don't want to lose. That's the type of mentality we have to have. And then this is the bit which I think Newcastle fans will love. He's pretty cheeky to answer maximum, I think. And he says, um, even before Ronaldo signed, they have a great team and they win games. So for sure with Ronaldo now, they can look much better, but we have to stay focused. If we just think about Ronaldo, we're going to lose the game for sure. We have to stay focused and feel like it's just football. If you give your best and give everything, anything can happen. We have to do it. And it's this bit, which I think people will be really impressed with. I scored there last season at Old Trafford, but we didn't win the game. That's what I always say. I don't care about scoring. It's more important that my team win. I will try to do my best because I'm sure the world will watch this game because of Ronaldo, but I know my quality. I know what I can do on the pitch. I know it will be a really hard game against Manchester United, but I know what I can do and everyone will see what I can do on the pitch. That last line, John, Mm. that's the bit of confidence, a bit of arrogance that we need on this side. You know, Alistair Maxman, he wants to go out there and show to the world what kind of player he is and he wants to go and upset this party. Well, he's talked a good fight. I want him to fight a good fight now. Uh, he's capable of, of doing that. He's the one player it is. He's, he's the step-over king on Saturday for certain because Ronaldo isn't anymore and in, in, uh, some maximum is. I'm heartened to hear that because we need that sort of attitude. And I'm just hoping because he's our little drama queen, uh, if Ronaldo's theirs, that... The sight of Ronaldo on that pitch, the fact that he knows the whole world is watching this game because of Ronaldo, some maximum says to himself, hey, this is a chance for me to showcase what I've got. And then he goes out and goes bang, 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 because he can't terrify them. There's absolutely no question about that. And we need him to do that. Um, and we need the rest of the team to to be as committed and concentrate as much. He has talked the perfect fight, um, but I think some Newcastle players do that rather well. Unfortunately, for an hour and a half on match day, they don't do it as well. And um, I want to see... It's easy... I'm not talking about some maximum here. I'm talking about some of the other players. It's easy to talk a good fight. The hard bit is to fight a good fight. And I want to see them do that. Yeah, you want to see it put into practice. It's interesting that he mentions their training... How hard is Newcastle United's job? Because you're not only preparing for Manchester United and that one element of quality which is so unpredictable in Cristiano Ronaldo and other players that you mentioned on the pitch like Paul Pogba, you just can't you can't really plan for that moment of unpredictability that he's got or Ronaldo's got. No. But also the fact that Newcastle United are coming in this game, haven't won a game this season, out of the cup, have performed okay in first half or second half, but that 90-minute performance has been lacking even an hour's performance really has been lacking. They're shipping goals. They can't score goals. They don't look like creating too much. So you've got the element of that you need to sort your own house out first, but at the same time, you've got a massive hurricane 
ready to wipe the roof off. There's no question about that, but but I've been perhaps boring people boring people to death by going on during the early run when we were playing Aston Villa and Burnley in Southampton to say for goodness sake win because you need stuff in the bank for for when the games like Manchester United and the West come along and Newcastle are now facing that you're always just four steps or so away from big games like this in the Premier League and you've got to have something already in the skyrocket to to take you into these games. We haven't. It is a two-horse race. We can't lose sight of that. The unexpected can happen. Woodman can save a penalty, we can get a penalty, Callum Wilson puts it in and then Manchester United gets somebody sent off. Then it's a different ball game. So things can happen and inferior teams beat superior teams and don't we know about that because Hereford non-league part-timers beat Newcastle United's first division stars of Craig and Clark and Natris and Supermac and Hibbert and Green one Saturday the next Saturday we'll go to Manchester United and play Law Best and Charlton with 70,000 fans there all chanting Hereford, Hereford, Hereford as Newcastle run out and Newcastle took them up 2-0. Now Newcastle were the, the, had the better players at Hereford and lost and Manchester United had the better players at Old Trafford and lost. So it can happen. But I'm not holding my breath. Let's finish then with what this well not the score what the result is going to be. I keep saying score addition but we've changed it for this season. Yeah. Newcastle win, draw or lose? Well, I think even Newcastle fans expect us to lose down there. There's a difference between that and wanting us to lose. I certainly don't. A 1-0 to Newcastle United would be absolutely wonderful. Century. I wouldn't, couldn't be more pleased to be wrong. Newcastle will lose. We just want to see them give a bit of a game, don't we? Yeah, we, we want to walk off at the final whistle with pride intact, not humiliated, not having run up a white flag, etc. We want to say, I tell you what, we're lost, but by Jove, we'll give it a go. That is essential. And that should be a given. That should happen regardless. For goodness sake, each player look deep inside yourself at five to three and see if there's some pride there. See if there's some courage there. See if the heart's big enough. That's all we ask of you in this game. That's all we ask of you. Do that and we'll see what the result has been. But we'll appreciate it. Don't do that and the wrath of hell will be waiting. Yeah, we're agreeing on the result, John. I think the castle will lose, unfortunately. But long as they put in a bit of effort and you know, it's improved performance, it's a, it's a performance that lasts longer than a first half or half an hour. You know, that's what I'd like to see. Unfortunately, I think, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo and the Manchester United squad, even without him in it, will just get the better of Newcastle. But they need a good platform to build for Leeds coming up next Friday. We'll have that preview next week. John, thank you as ever for sharing your match preview with everything is Black and White Podcast. You guys listening, please remember to like and subscribe and leave us a review if you get the chance. Thank you and enjoy the rest of your day.